of Yahweh. Again, the opportunity, thank you, Father, for any out there that have an ear to let them hear, listen, and seek you, Father. Seek your face. Thank you, Father, for your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. Abba Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Barakutos, Aman. So, interesting thing here. Holy Spirit and I were having a conversation this morning. Really good. When we take time to sit and spend time and talk to God, and there are many that have a misconception of Lord God Almighty. And the Bible, and I've shared this with you many, many times, is that God is so infinite and so beyond our scope of understanding and our finite minds try to figure things out. It's difficult enough for us to do here in our own setting, but then we try to figure out God. Then we try to figure out what God's about. Then we try to figure out what the mystery is with God. Then we try to apply that. Well, when's Jesus coming? When's this happening? Well, it doesn't matter. Because it said that we cannot figure it out in our finite mind. Because his thoughts are so much higher. His ways are so much higher. We can't figure out how it is that God tells us he loves us and keeps on loving us when everything that we do points to disaster, points to distrust, everything we do. Everything we do. I mean, goodness gracious, we can't... There is a rarity, and it's really a good thing that you have husbands and wives that stay together for nearly all their lives. And... They don't anymore. They just, they, things go and they get crazy. But yet God stays. God knows and God reads and discerns our heart. And he knows that the goodness is there. He, brothers and sisters, God is good. And there's so many things that go on in our life. I can sit here and go, oh, now what if this happens tomorrow? What if that happens tomorrow? What if? I could be in the midst of all that And, but my answer is, even if God's still my God, he's still my heavenly father, he's still my creator, he still loves me, and he's not going to let me go, he's going to hold me so that I'm strong in my weakness. But the devil wants to keep coming at us and keep reminding us how pitiful we are and how pitiful the situations are. I could sit here and gripe and gripe and gripe about all the things and everything that I'm going through, but it does absolutely no good because it doesn't change anything. Doesn't change a thing. Because the government is still going to be as weak as it is. The government is still going to be as despicable as it is. And they're still going to be doing the terrible things that they're doing. It doesn't matter. I could be griping about it and complaining about it. But the thing of it is that the Bible talks to us about what the seat of government is all about. You can go back into the book of Isaiah. You can go to the book of Jeremiah. You can go to the the greater prophets or what they... Pardon me. That's not even an appropriate terminology. You can go to some of the older prophets... And you can see that they speak of this nation. And they're not just speaking of this nation, but they're speaking of the nations of the world that turn their back on their own people. And they do that. Just about every single government in this world does that. And then, of course, you're going to have those that are going to get all really offended by that. Well, this country doesn't do that. Oh, yeah, they do. How can you sit there when you have a government that has declared some sort of federal emergency? So now what they do is they tell you, and when you're doing your application, you're talking about your uh, food stamp program or you're talking about Social Security. You have a recording come on before you even get to talk to anybody, and they're telling you that your, your support that you're supposed to get monthly is going to be reduced by 
a quarter. And that's because the, declare, the federal government declared emergency. And you can get all wrapped up in that. I can get all wrapped up and get all upset and say, well, what am I going to do? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? No. Even if, even if this happens, God is still my God. Even if it does take place, God is still my God. Even though what is happening and the situation that I'm in, God is still my God. Jesus Christ still came for me. He was thinking about me when he came and was crucified. He loves me. He teach, The Holy Spirit guides and teaches me. Even with all this stuff that's going on, if I sit and listen to the badgerings and the white noise interference from Satan and his minions and all the things that are going on with those that are following his guidelines that are not demons, but they're demonic in their actions. I can get all caught up in that. I don't want to be there. Where I want to be is in the peace, love, and strength of my Lord. Because when I get caught up in all of that, I'm weak. And I see my weakness. I see my faults. My, and it's nothing possible. God sees my heart. He already knows that I'm weak. He already knows that I'm broken. He already knows the things that I did. But he also knows that my heart is for my brothers and sisters, for their uprightness and their righteousness and strength. I'm not trying to sound like I'm bragging, but that's where my heart's at. My heart is to be about my father's business. I signed a blank contract. I don't care whatever else this is going on. With the party of their part, the party of this part, and that part, and this part, doesn't matter to me. God is true, God has promised, and God has shown me empirical evidence where everything else. Seek from God that which you can only get from him because mammon will fail. And so many people seek from mammon what they should be seeking from God. You go to his word because what is in his word, the Bible, is all gospel. Gospel. From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, it is all gospel. The word gospel simply means good news or truth. And it's not a separation from the Old Testament to the New Testament, which a lot of uh, theological wizards like to declare, well, the Gospels refer to the life of Jesus Christ. And, uh, yeah, that's a reference because that's what people make it out to be a reference as. But the Gospel is the entire Word of God. He is the author. He is the finisher. He wrote and directed There were, there's a whole list of folks that wrote, they actually penned many of the books, men and women, Ruth, Esther, many women wrote books in here, many men wrote the books in here, but God is the author and the finisher, and everything can be clean. I'm going to share with you now because the Holy Spirit had me come here for a purpose. And this speaks loudly to what I was just saying. What if, what if, what if, what if? And we get caught up in that white noise and all that garbage from Satan and his minions and all the things from the government that they're doing and, and the governments are doing. And they're... It's sad. It saddens me, but here's the thing. God is always true. Psalm 139 as David wrote this. 
Lord, thou hast searched and know me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. He knows when we come get ready to approach. He knows we're on our way. And as we approach his gates, we need to be thanking him for the strength and his love and all the things that he pours out to us. And be thankful. Remember what the words would be. As we enter his gates, thankful. As we enter his courts, be praising. And when we enter his house, worship him. Further, 139, verse 3. Thou compassed my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. His thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. He is a mystery that we cannot possibly fathom. We cannot possibly grasp with our infinite thoughts. Our finite mind is, we can't get into that, to his infinite wisdom to his infinite gifts, to his infinite blessings, to his infinite love. Brothers and sisters, this is the Abba Yahweh, the maker of all things made. How are we with finite thought process think or have the audacity to believe that we can even comprehend? Look what it did already. And look what it does. It destroys lives. And those foolish Pharisees thought that they were destroying the Lord Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, Lord of Lord, King of Kings, and they thought they were destroying him. They didn't destroy him. They just took part in something they didn't comprehend and couldn't comprehend and couldn't get it and wrap their head around the own their prophets, their own prophets that spoke to them and told them. And supposedly they knew because they were scholars of the word, scholars of Torah, but they didn't know Torah. They didn't know truth because they didn't speak truth. They spoke lies and they put themselves in a vaunted position of authority that they did not have. Simply by virtue of that scroll work that was written and handed to them, the, 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 the scroll of letters that they got from the school. And this is the problem that they had with Jesus. He didn't have any letters from any schooling that he went to, but they did. Oh, yes, I do. It's just like those theological wizards that uh, run around out here today. They have that little scroll work, but what they do is they don't carry it with them. Oh, no, 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 no. This beautiful little piece of rice paper rolled out flat. It's got the little filigree and the little... <coughs> Real nice calligraphic writing on it in the signature. Got the little seal from whatever school they went to. Oh, no, they put that out in a frame. And that goes on the wall right behind the desk that they sit at all the time. And so they either sit there and they look at it all the time and remind themselves how great and powerful they are. Or when individuals come into their work area, they can see it. And they say, oh, you're so smart and you're so great. Look what you got. Baloney. They are legends in their own mind. They are greater than anyone else in their own mind. Just like they were trying to say that they were greater than Jesus Christ in their own mind because they had letters. They had doctrinal papers from schooling that said that they went and they read so many scrolls and they did so many lessons and they stood so many times out in front and they read Torah. Well, as one of my 
childhood heroes used to say, Fred Flintstone, yabba dabba do. Sorry, I, <laughs> I digressed into my Peter Pan syndrome. I, I have that. So, as I would say, big deal. So they are something that they think that they're not. You know, I had a, and we find that a lot in our travels. But you know what? God knows us. He knows what our heart is. And I've shared this with you, and I'll share it again because it is gospel, truth, knowledge. And when you apply it and you save it and you can make it wisdom. It doesn't matter what they say they are. It's what they do that matters. And God is a respecter of no man, no woman. What he respects is a character of your heart. And when you come to God in prayer, when you take time to come to God in prayer, he takes time to sit and listen. That powerful, auspicious figure that so many will sit and see him as being this mighty, powerful, whenever he talks, it's like a booming thunder that comes out of his mouth and just, and everything vibrates. Your lamps shake and your table shakes and, and you can't even write because your hand is trembling. Well, God does not communicate with his children that way. Not saying that he doesn't ever, but there are times when he does. But when he speaks to his children, he speaks to us in love, and with compassion and kindness, and he loves us, and which is why Jesus came for us anyway, because he didn't want to be that thundering voice that flooded the earth. He didn't want to be that fiery voice that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't want that. He What he wants is that our his children come to him and say, Abba, we want to be at home with you. We want to be with you. We want to love you. <clears throat> we want to do what you intend for us to do. Any good child. And now, I mean, look around you. Look in the world. You have parents that are too busy being buddy-buddy with their children. And you have children that don't care anything about what their parents say. I saw an example. It, it totally baffled me. So <clears throat> they just, they don't even care. And then they come out and they want to yell and scream and curse parents I'm talking about now at individuals that are in a position of authority that are trying to do the right thing and they're not following any kind of direction. I mean, the example that they were showing the children that were all around there and then they want to pull out that little device that the prince of the air likes for them to do. They want to take some, like, as if there's some sort of a, important videographer and they want to take videos of these things that they consider to be egregious activity. But see, God knows what our heart is. And these things like very similar to the Pharisees and what they were directing and how they treated people miserably. And they weren't in a good position of authority. They were misusing their authority, terribly misusing. I mean, they would... It, it hurts my heart. It saddens me. They had, and we think that things are so different now and, and that nobody knows what could possibly have been going on. Well, there's examples of things that went and have been going. You had the woman that had an issue of blood. Doctors treated her and took her money from her for 12 young, long years, 12 years, and couldn't help her, couldn't do anything for her. She would get weak, she'd get sick, and she'd get sickly, and they just kept taking, 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 taking. That's all they did, was they took from her, but they didn't help her. 
and in absolute desperation, which sometimes it comes to that, and of course, you notice that Jesus did not bother with the idea of belittling her for, oh, it took you long enough to get around to it, so now none of that came out of his mouth. What came out of his mouth was compassion and kindness. And when he was in the crowd and she came up and she pressed in and she grabbed the hem of his garment, just the hem, and that's what she kept telling herself to believe because he is the son of God. If I can just get close enough to do that because there's such a crowd, I can't reach him. So she pressed in as hard as she could and she did. And she did that because she knew she wouldn't be able to get into where she could get him to put his hands on her. So she did it the best she could. And of course, Jesus cried out. And those of you that read that parcel should, should know the story. And if you don't, he looked around and he didn't see her because she was down on the ground. And he looked around and he said, Someone touched me. Who touched me? And of course, the disciples right with him. They were always right with him because they were, they were his, uh, <laughs> they were trying to protect him the best that they could. And, and so they were always pressing tight. And they're now thinking in their head. And of course, they responded openly to him. Well, of course, somebody touched you. There's thousands of people trying to, trying to get to you, Jesus. They want to touch you. They want you to touch them. And then he turned and he looked down at her. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> but what they didn't understand was that Jesus was not talking about just the, the, the physicality part. Jesus responded that way because he felt virtue leave his body. He felt it go out from him, then entered her and healed her. And that's what Jesus felt and knew. And she apologized, which is not what he was looking for. Um... He just told her that she was healed and that her faith healed her and that she could come up and go out and not sin anymore and everything would be good. It was always about that with Jesus. And this is the thing that the Pharisees didn't understand, just like the blind man at the gate. When he healed the man at the gate, he was talking about <clears throat> they still have their sight and still full of sin. But see, they saw everything with their physicality <clears throat> and they convinced themselves that they were not sinful, but yet they were full of sin. And blindness of not seeing all the things that they perceive, being blind to all of that, but looking for the direction of their path and righteousness. And they would have not sinned, but they wouldn't do that because they saw everything that was going on around. They griped about everything else except what they were doing. Further in verse five, Psalm 139, verse five. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Meaning that God is before us, guiding, behind us, protecting, and his hand is on us and his strength, his righteous right hand. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Cannot understand it. So stop trying. In finite knowledge that we have, even if you have an exceptional IQ, you still can't figure out God. And then you think that you are something that you are not, and you will try to explain God, which is sad and pitiful, actually, 
and you have perverts that get up on the stage and stand behind their dais as they pronounce their sermons to their congregation and their, in their church, and they declare that God wrote John 3.16 wrong. And we've been teaching it wrong all the time. Excuse me? The maker of all things made, the author and finisher wrote the Bible incorrectly, and because people have been determining that it was wrong and that God must have made a mistake, and the Lord hasn't come yet because the Bible doesn't declare a date and a time. It doesn't declare any of that, but yet individuals try to do that thing and they don't get. So they try to teach that the Bible's not true because Jesus didn't come yet. Well, there's nothing in the Bible that gives us a date and a time. Oh, we can prove things mathematically, geographically, and scientifically about things that had already taken place, and they're finding things, geologists, archaeologists, and there are even physicists that are sitting and formulating and have figured out these things that are spoken of in the Bible are true events, and they are factual events, and they did happen and can be proven that they happened, but the one thing that they cannot prove is when Jesus is coming again. And what did Jesus tell the disciples when the disciples tried to ask him? They pressed him. They said, well, when is this thing going to happen? When is this going to happen? When is it going to When? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, children, we're not. And none know except for he who is leading the father knows the angels don't even ask God because they know that they're not going to get the answer. And when he says, Gabriel, Michael, my son, it's time. Then they will take the horns of the hosts of heaven and they will blast that blast. The heavens will split and Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, will come again as he promised he would. That's when it will happen, not when... Mammon tries to figure it out with their brain. Just like it says, verse six, such knowledge is too wondrous for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. You can't figure it out. That's what that, that's what that means. You cannot attain unto it because you can't figure it out. You can't figure out the mystery of God. You can't figure out the Holy Trinity. You try, you try, you try, you try, and you can't figure it out. How's that possible? <coughs> How is it possible for God to tell someone he loves them and still have all the love that he has? How is it that God does not sleep or slumber? Yeah, you can't figure it out, so stop trying. Further in verse seven, whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my <clears throat> bed in Shill, hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, head to the farthest shore, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. <clears throat> yes, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth in the day. The darkness and the light over are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made Marvelous are thy, are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. <clears throat> That's pretty potent. So what I say when things are going amok as they are, <laughs> what if, what if, what if, what if, my response, see, the devil wants us to go that direction. 
<clears throat> so the response would be, as in Psalm 141, David shares with, shares with us. <clears throat> Pardon me. Boy, the devil's really trying to work this morning. Psalm 141. Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear to my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. And the lifting up of thy hands as an evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works, which men that work iniquity and let me not eat of their dainties. <clears throat> that means that you pray to God, you praise God. And I've shared this with you before that our, our starting out of the day Every day before we get up and we get into our, our daily chores and everything that needs to get going. I mean, I've got a whole bunch of errands and things that I need to get covered. But you know what? The most important thing is to spend time with God. Set time aside for God. But we get so caught up. We get so wrapped up in all these things that have to go on. And when it talks about getting caught up in the dainties, those are the, those are, that's bait. <clears throat> Pardon me. That's bait that is established out there to try to, to draw us in. To try to get us to focus on those things that are available through wickedness. And as he's talking about the, that practice iniquities, let me not get caught up and, and be baited into those things. And that the Holy Spirit... And what he's talking about is the lips and the tongue. And there's prayers that are talking. And I pray this, that the Holy Spirit would guard my tongue and set hot coals so that I am more concerned of being cautious about what's being shared outwardly and openly than hurling insults, which so many people get caught up in. They're, they're, they've got to get the insults out. They've got to make somebody, they've got to belittle somebody. And there are even individuals that declare being a Christian, self-labeled, self-proclaimed, and yet in the, at a drop of a hat, they turn. I mean, I think I shared this with you before, some while ago, I had an incident, had a uh, woman who was listening to my sharing the word and and humming and whistling the songs and was making declaration of being this. And then when something, when we got to the main terminal and I was only doing exactly what I was supposed to do, but it didn't fit her agenda or what she felt like, oh my goodness gracious. Then all of a sudden the blood of Jesus, which is a sacred thing, and we are told that we are to Rever that when we do, and uh, we do the, uh, when we share Eucharist, the symbols of Eucharist, when we are in communion, she used it as a curse and was, I was, I was absolutely totally baffled. And that's the vanity of the use of the name of the Lord. What I am saying in saying that is that we have to be guarded in our speech. And when I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would have coals on my tongue, is that my concern is that my tongue would be held and that I not just throw some kind of curse at somebody. That's not, that's not how. How is that showing compassion and kindness if I'm so concerned with something that they've done that wasn't even a personal thing Against me, it was just done because they felt it needed to be. Do I have the strength to overlook that or do I need to retort? 
<clears throat> that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to portray to you, brothers and sisters, is that do we need to be troubled about responding to something that is not even personal? This is the vanity, <clears throat> pardon me, that I'm talking about when we see in uh, Ephesians, it talks about the armor and the spiritual warfare, and that if we take the armor that God has put on us, or made for us to put on, rather, if we're more concerned about those things that are taking place temporally and that we are not going to be prepared for spiritual battle because you see that the spiritual is separate from temporal. It can affect, but only if it's in righteousness. And if you turn it to total evil and wickedness, then yeah, it's effectual as well. But brothers and sisters, that armor that God made for us <clears throat> is to fight the spiritual battle and that we can also guard others against those fiery darts and arrows that are fired by the demons that function from the minions of hell. And that we can protect others, we can guard others, and we can share the truth and knowledge and wisdom of God as opposed to let those fiery darts and arrows strike us or them and we show that kindness. We show that compassion <clears throat> to them. And we guard our words. We guard our actions. And we show that which God made and put in us anyway. And we can only do it if we have that that he put. Because on our own, Face it, brothers and sisters, the truth is the truth. You might not like to hear it, and it might get your knickers twisted up, but untwist them. Sit down, quit squirming around. If the shoe fits, and wear it. If it doesn't, then don't get all caught up in it and worry about it. Oh, how dare him? How dare her? Uh, yeah, really? If it doesn't affect you, and it doesn't matter, then just let it go. But you know, as well as I do, that there are so many out there <clears throat> that can't figure out how to love one another. You have men and women that can't figure out how to love one another. They can't do it without the love of God in their heart. And then you have so many that say that it can't be done that way, so now what they're going to do is they're going to be something else. Who? They just... And, and this egregious things that are going on out there. They told God that he didn't know what he's going to do, so they're going to be something other than what he said. And then, of course, you have many that try to declare that it's got nothing to do with God. It's got everything to do with God. Get in the Bible. What do you think was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah? And then when they came and they were trying to take Lot and his family, Lot was the only one that was standing up and trying to preach and teach to them that were lost. And when the angels came to be with Lot and his family and to take them out of the city before it was destroyed, and what did they do? They came pounding on Lot's door and said, hey, we know you have, we know that strangers came and they're with you. Send them out so that we can know them. Wow, really? That's what they were concerned about? They weren't concerned about truth? And it's just like what they did to Noah. And Jesus declared that in Matthew when he was teaching. And he taught us. And it's in the Bible right there. And so shall it be as it was in the days of Noah before the coming of the Son of Man. Think about those words. You don't even have to go in, but Jesus expounds on that because that wasn't good enough for the disciples. So shall it be. What was going on in the days of Noah? 
For 120 years, it took him to complete the building of the ark as he was tasked to do. 120 years, Noah didn't just climb the scaffold to build the ark and make sure that it was secure for all the animals that he would take and his family. 120 years, do you think that's all he was concerned about was tapping in the doweling and putting on the pitch, the seal? No. He was preaching the word of repentance and coming to salvation by the grace of God and the mercy of God. And God was God was willing to do. But did they come? No, they did not. Instead, what they chose to do was for 120 years that Noah built that ark. They ridiculed, they made fun, they belittled and degraded him. They took God and said, there is no God. They cursed at God and they drank, they married, they did all these things. They went to barbecues at each other's house. Of course, I'm not sure exactly what they called there, but they cooked outside a lot. We call that barbecue nowadays. So that's all they did. And though the Bible tells us not to drink to drunkenness, individuals took and they drank to drunkenness and they sought stronger liquors. And that's what they did for 120 years. And then when God said, no, it's time to go. Time to go, let's load them up. And God took his hand and he put it on the ark and sealed that door. And that door closed. And then they came whining and crying, whoa, 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 don't leave us, don't leave us, don't leave us. Open the door, open the door. It was too late because the rains came down and the floods came up and it happened really, really fast. But God had already sealed Noah and his family and all the animals in. Had given them an opportunity and they failed to accept that. They failed to take it. But that's what this is about, brothers and sisters, is about God's business. It is about his business, his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom. This has nothing to do with Raven Whitehawk other than the fact that I would like to see you there because hear me in this. When we all get to heaven, that we are going to recognize and know one another because we will be indeed, like the Bible tells us, one spirit, one mind. We are a family, heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. That is what we will be. That will be our tile. And we are not gonna look like we do now because we are gonna be glorified. But we're gonna know and recognize one another. Bible tells us that. And those members of my family that have gone that I believe know God, that have been there with him for a time, gonna be younger, stronger, no sickness, nothing. My brother that I prayed for. And not that God couldn't have done the miracle and knocked him out of the walker and had him bowled straight up, down and walking and and all his balance and everything really great now. He could have done that. But because of everything that he'd been through, all that has happened, pardon me, God said, okay, you've been down here for a long time, been doing this and this and this and this. Come on home. Come on home. And the miracle of his healing still took place because all things are made new. He is a younger man, stronger man, and when I get there, I will see him. If he's not out surfing on that crystal sea. See, my brother was a surfer in this world here and things that he did. So, And there's nowhere in the Bible 
Nowhere in the Bible does it say that there are things that are goodly and that are upright. And so why would it not be possible that this thing that he loved to do, and he loved being on the ocean, that God wouldn't allow that? Can you imagine surfing the crystal sea? Sets of waves that are unending and riding a perfect wave all the time and the longest ride imaginable. But he wouldn't get tired because that didn't happen. And he would just go and go and go, get off and go again. And then visit and speak with God, talk with God, talk with the Lord and the Holy Spirit just fell into the air and then you would commune with God, worship and praise. Wow. But there's nothing in the Bible that says that that's not possible. And of course, there are gonna be those that are thinking that they know much better and you probably have a those theological wizards say, oh, that's blasphemous. That's this and that's this and this and this and this and this. Well, how is it this and this and this and this? Where in the Bible, show me the scripture where it says that God does not allow. Actually, I find in the Bible where it says more that God permits because of his love than not. Hmm. But, oh, that's right. I don't have a college signed chancellor stamped and oh yeah, so the valuation of mammon is not on any credentials that I have. So uh, goodness gracious, the validation that I have from Heaven Sent University that is uh, signed and authorized by the chancellor of that university, which would be, oh, that's right, Lord God Almighty and the vice chancellor his only begotten son, and my guidance counselor, which would be the Holy Spirit. That's the validation that I have. But I don't have that theological degree that I can stick up on the wall behind my desk or, you know, that I can look at all the time. Or when somebody comes in my door that they look up there and they see it. So I can't possibly be validated. They can't validate me. Well, guess what? I don't care. Because the validation that matters that comes from truth, knowledge and wisdom from God permitted to share and the Holy Spirit guides me through is that all, that's all that matters. Honestly, that's all that matters. I've shared it with you before, share it with you now and I was, the Holy Spirit was walking me through that this morning and thinking about all these, all the turmoil and things that's going on with me right now What if, what if, what if, what if? And my response is, even if, even if, even if, even if. All that should happen. God is still my God. He is still Abba Yahweh, Father, maker of all things made. He is still sovereign Lord God, creator of the universe. His only begotten son, which was with him from the beginning was the word and the word was in him and he was the word and the word came and was manifest as flesh in the form of Jesus Savior, Emmanuel, God in us, God with us, Christ anointed of God. That manifestation of God came here for me, died for me and is still with me and still loves me. So what if, even if, what if, even if, the Holy Spirit is still my guide, response to prayers, teaches, and guides my walk. So what if, what if, what if, what if? Doesn't matter. And I have to practice that and fight off these disparaging untruths that come in that white noise. Psalm 9 is one that was in my reading this morning and just happened to pull this up right here. <laughs> Those who know your name, 
will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Woof. Thank you, David. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit. So if you seek the Lord God, you will find Lord God. You will not find offense. If those that seek offense, they'll surely find offense. And if you want your knickers all twisted up in a big knot so that you can't sit comfortably, or those too tight shoes that you shouldn't have even put on your feet anyway, because it had nothing to do with you, you decide that you want to try to pull them on and then walk around and your feet get pinched and you get bunions and you get sore feet because you're walking around in something that doesn't belong to you, but you decided to take that upon yourself, you have a choice. Just like God made us with a free will choice. And know this too, that in 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of knowledge in every place. Diffuses. Spreads the incense. Old days, there were sensors that they used to put out and carry them around in a house or carry them in the temple, and that would carry the incense out. His knowledge, his truth, his wisdom, his love for us is like that. He spreads it around everywhere, and it doesn't run out. Further, and I shared this with you before, as I try to remember every single morning to start before I get up and get into anything. This is what we're told to do. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. That would be our Lord. Interesting in terminology, rock. Jesus. There's an old song. It sings about Jesus, the rock. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. And Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in every day? What if, what if, what if? Even if, even if, even if. Jesus is still the only begotten son of God. Believe. Have faith in God. The Holy Spirit will guide. So even if, even if, even if, it doesn't matter what else goes on. Because I already know the thing that I hold on to is that the Bible talks about these things that are these egregious individuals are perpetrating on us. Doesn't matter because it's all right there. It's all right there in his truth. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in daily? Be blessed, be strong, be bold, be courageous, be upright. Don't be confrontational. Be bold and courageous. And if you speak truth, that's all that matters.